Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 54 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by Jordan Renan, James Cratch. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. We're here after OTAs to talk a little bit about them and really look forward to the Giants. And uh, we kind of treat this as the Giants' weakest link episode in terms of the Giants and their weaknesses still. Can they overcome them to be a really good team? in 2016. So we'll dive into those and then go back and look at what Jordan and James saw at OTAs and the big stories coming out of the Giants right now. Jordan, how are you, man? Joe, what's going on? I'm all right. A little under the weather here, a little uh, nasal as you could probably hear, but I'm going to tough it out for the benefit of talk is cheap. Well, I think all the listeners and the fans appreciate that. And I am a little bit too. I think it's allergy season or something's going on, but uh, we'll push through. James, how are you, man? I am good, Joe. How are you? Good. And obviously now we have uh, a little bit more substantial to talk about. You guys were at OTAs this week. We'll get into that and uh, probably the the biggest storylines coming out of there. Uh, But let's start with our topic for today in this episode, which is can the Giants survive and can they survive the different areas of their team that are a little bit weaker than others? I mean, every team in the NFL has this. No roster is perfect. And uh, I often think sometimes – Teams are determined by, you know, can they overcome those really weak areas where they're just not good or they're not as good as they are in their best areas, but does that part of the team drag them down? So we have three different areas we'll look at, uh, and they may turn out to be better than we think, but right now at least uh, they are question marks at the very least. All right, Jordan, let's start. We'll go to Jordan and James on all these. Let's start with the offensive line. We talk about this a lot. The right side is still uh, a question mark. Uh, it has not been a great offensive line for a long time. The Giants have you know, spent a lot of draft capital to add over the last couple of years to try to sure up a young portion of the line. But do the, can the Giants survive their offensive line the way it is right now? I'm going to say yes. This is, I think, a little bit overblown. I, like, I Granted, look, they wanted to find an upgrade over Marshall Newhouse. Maybe they have it in-house for Bobby Hart at right tackle. Maybe not. But... This isn't something that completely will shut down the Giants' passing game. I mean, look what they did last year. They were a top 10 passing team. Sacks allowed 27, okay? 27 sacks. You know how many teams allowed fewer sacks than the Giants last year? Three. Three teams allowed fewer sacks than the New York Giants last year. You could scheme around these things. Now, I think the bigger question is, can they get enough out of the run game? That's more of the, of the question with this Giants offensive line. 
But for me, I, I think they could survive with this offensive line. I, I really do. I really do. I know John Jerry on the right side with at right guard with Marshall Newhouse. That's what it looks like at the moment. Bobby Hart could enter the mix, and who knows? They might end, add somebody else. But I still think I don't think that will derail the season. The right side of the offensive line. James, what do you think about the offensive line and that aspect of it? And, and off of what Jordan just said there, how much of uh, your confidence or your worry has to do with Eli Manning? I mean, he's a guy that obviously he's not very nimble back there, but I do think part of the reason they don't give up many sacks is he gets the ball out of his hand quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with Jordan. I, I think they can, as the offensive line is currently constituted, I think, yes, they can make do with it. They can even thrive offensively with it, where – for me, the concern would come in is what if something happens to one of the three left side guys, so Pew and Flowers and then Richburg, especially if something happens to Flowers. We've said this about other podcasts before. They don't really have a second guy at left tackle on the roster right now who's not named Justin Pugh. And if you move Pew to tackle, you have problems all over the board. So that's well, who's, I would who's, the, who's the next guard in line? You know, let's say Bobby Hart is actually starting at right tackle. Who's the next guard in line? I, I, my assumption it would be, I, Emmett Cleary, Adam Geddes, uh, maybe Ryan Seymour, or Dylan Farrell, one of those those two guys. But, but still, nothing proven. We don't know if any of those guys can play. Yeah. Really, seriously. So, which guy you you positive can play out of that group? Yeah. So I, I mean, I think the starting five they had on Monday at OTAs. They can get along with that. If Bobby Hart replaces Newhouse or replaces Jerry, they can get along with that, they hope. But get beyond that, you got a lot of question marks and you got to kind of cross your fingers. Nothing, nothing really disastrous happens. Do we have to almost, Jordan, you think, kind of look at the Giants differently than I think we look at other teams? I think a lot of Giants fans look to what the Dallas Cowboys have. And they said they're just envious over that offensive line. And I'm sure most fan bases are. But do we, you know, can we look at the Giants differently? Do they need a great offensive line to be a very good offense? I, I think you guys are alluding to the fact they probably don't, and I think I agree with you. I think their offensive line, if it's just pretty good, and they and those three on the left side and the center on the left side play well, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I don't think man, it's mandatory to have a great offensive line to be a great team. I mean, look at the Seattle Seahawks the past couple of years. Their line's been terrible. Terrible. They're really not a good offensive line these past couple of years. They're still winning a lot of games. Uh, yeah, granted, they've been able to run the ball, but overall, it has not been a great offensive line that they've been dealing with. I mean, the Giants, when they won the Super Bowl the 2011 season, that wasn't a great offensive line either. That offensive line was at the end of the, end of the road. Uh, you, you could watch, look at that San Francisco uh, NFC Championship game and say the offensive line was, a, you know, they won in spite of the offensive line. I think most people would say that. I mean, I got just absolutely hammered. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's mandatory. I think if you have a good, good offensive line, I think you're right. Even the Denver Broncos, how good was their offensive line last year? Not very good. No, you know? it wasn't. So, no, I, I agree. And, I, yeah, just to go back to that point on that N NFC title game, I don't know if I've ever seen uh, maybe any quarterback get beat up that much, but certainly not Eli his entire career, all these games that he's never missed one. I mean, that day, he, I, I just never seen him hit that much. It was every play that guy was yeah, on the was, ground. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Just the, let's just think about it for a second. Who was in the Super Bowl last year? The Panthers and 
the Broncos, Broncos right? Yes. Like, neither of those teams have great offensive line. Look at the tackles for the Carolina Panthers. Michael, Michael Orr on roller yeah. skates. They yep. picked him up in what, like May? And actually, you know what? The left tackle for the Denver Broncos was Ryan Harris. He was also signed at the end of May last year. He's not a great left. First of all, he's not even a left tackle, really. He's more of a right tackle. And if he's a, a left tackle, he's easily at the bottom end of left tackles. Uh, so they won the Super Bowl with a left tackle who was signed in May, who might have been, you know, left tackle number 20 to 32, ranked somewhere in there. So, you know, when we talk about great offensive lines, I don't think it's a, a non-negotiable. Like, oh, you don't have a great offensive line from all the way from the left side to the right side that you can't win in the NFL these days. I think it's more about scheming around it, getting the ball out quickly uh, and working around those deficiencies. And I think that's a deficiency you can work around. It seems like a lot of fans expect the Giants or any team has fans, which all 32 of them, I guess, have. They want 22 Pro Bowl players, preferably 11 of which are playing for the veteran minimum. It just doesn't happen. You have to work around. Every team has a position group or position groups that are a weak spot or a weakness. It's just navigating and building around those groups is how you succeed in the league. It's a good point. Every team does. Every team has weaknesses in some area, or, or even when the season starts, you just start to become deficient uh, in a certain area of the game. And I, I think that when we have this offensive line discussion, Jordan, you touched on it a few minutes ago, it kind of just feeds right into one that has been a problem for the Giants in recent years, and that is consistency in the running game. And Jordan, you mentioned 2011 when the Giants won the Super Bowl. The offensive line wasn't great. Eli got hit a lot in that title game. And also during the whole season, they didn't run the football well. I mean, they were at the bottom of the league and running the ball. Were they 32nd? I think they were 32nd. I think they were. Yeah, they were. I mean, they just couldn't run it at all. And it was, it was bad. In was, the regular season, the difference was that, yeah, they were 32nd. Uh, I'm right. So they were 32nd. But I think the difference was when it came to late in the year in the playoffs, they were actually able to run the ball. And Bradshaw was a, a huge, huge asset to them in that, in that regard. It's true. He was, and he got better. And I think with that year and with him in, in general, it was just like you never knew when he was going to feel himself and feel healthy, and then he had these big games out of nowhere. The Giants, now this group's a little different. Uh, but how about the running game? But again, they, so again, proof, you don't need a, a dominant running game. No, I you mean, don't. really don't. Right, so, no, I, I don't think that you do at all. I mean, we, we've seen that now over and over with the different teams over the years. Sometimes you get a, a good run in the postseason, that helps. But for this 2016 season, uh, that will be our second point we touch on here. It kind of goes hand-in-hand, hand, I guess, with the offensive line. But can the Giants survive with the kind of running game they've had in recent years, or does it have to improve for them to improve? See, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift on this one because they're not good enough at other spots to overcome not being able to close out games. Being able to run the ball and pound the ball when the other team knows they're going to run it late in games is something that they're going to need to do better. I don't think they could survive with the same running game they had last year. I really don't. You need to that, that that that's the key to putting away these games late is running for first downs in the fourth quarter of games when other teams know you're going to run the ball. They weren't able to do that. Look, they might be improved defensively this year, but they were the 32nd ranked defense last year. They still don't have the pass rush options that they had in like let's say the 2011 season. And forget the 2007 season, you know, when they won the Super Bowl. So you know, these are, these are things that when you look at the Giants, they need to improve on that running game. Now, 
Can they do that with Marshall Newhouse and John Jerry on the right side of the offensive line? I'm not so sure because that's kind of John, – John Jerry's okay when you're talking about the pass. I don't think he's a great run blocker. Uh, Marshall Newhouse, average run blocker for uh, – actually probably below average for a right tackle. Not, not terrible. I mean, his, his struggles are more uh, as a pass blocker. But still, that's not a very good right side of the offensive line. They'll have to run the ball up the middle and to the left side consistently and have any chance. But to me, this is a bigger concern than the pass blocking. James, how about for you? The running game and, and really how it pertains with this offensive line. Can the Giants be a better team this year with a similar running game they had last year? Or do they have to improve? They have to improve. I, I think the the personnel they have is probably good enough. But they cannot have the same disastrous rushing situation, you know, save the end of the year where, where Jennings got hot. They can't have that again. I mean, they were just, we talk about all the defensive collapses in the fourth quarter. How many times did a, a defensive collapse that ended up losing a game was that prior to that was a stalled three and out drive where they could have run the clock down and won? Well, here's Definitely a- like, Here's a question that we have to ask when we're talking about the running game. Uh, what do you guys think? Do they have enough talent at running back? Do they have enough at running back to get by? I think they have enough. It's funny because I, I never know what the real problem has been with the Giants. Do they not have enough talent at running back, or is the offensive line not opened up holes for the guys they have? And I don't think this group is bad. It doesn't have, you know, clearly doesn't have one standout star. I mean, Jennings is the best guy, but he's not a star. But I don't think it's a bad group. Yeah, there's some people who just don't think that they're good enough at that position. I, I'm, I'm, I lean towards you, Joe. I think, look, there's no, it's not great, but there's enough there to, to uh, be successful, in my, in my opinion. I, I don't know. You should be able to be successful with that group with the right offensive line behind them. I mean, in front of them. I mean, Jennings almost rushed for 1,000 yards last year. Vereen... You, you a know, thousand you're yards is not an accomplishment in the NFL these days. So let's be honest. No, but sixteen it, games, a thousand yards. What is it? Sixty yards a game. This is true, but it, I, it's it's something. You know, he's a guy who's proven that he can be an effective back. You know what you're getting with Vereen, Andre Williams. This is the sixty-two and a half yards. Well, all right, but let's think about this with their passing attack. What what do they need to keep a defense honest? Twenty carries for eighty yards. I think as a team, you have to run for you have to run for a hundred. They ran for a hundred last year, I believe, on average, right at exactly a hundred. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers right now. They had 100 point six. Yeah, exactly. Right, and they averaged four point oh yards a carry. So I guess on average, what was it? it was uh, it was twenty five attempts for a hundred yards a game? Right about that was basically exactly what they did last year on average. Okay. I think you need to do a little more, like the, the way you compile, and it's really. Uh, you know, it's really just stockpiling yards at the end of the game. I mean, you look, that's kind of where you, you pad the numbers. You compile, you know, you're a compiler by, okay, where do you get most of the yards? Well, in the fourth quarter when you're winning, the good teams, they get their guys to run the ball, you know, 10 times for, for 40 yards and they pound it out and get a couple first downs and, and you move on. And it's really, you know, you know, stat padding basically, but they weren't able to do that. No. no, they weren't. No, they had a lot of issues, obviously, late in the games. And I, I agree with you, Jordan. I think that's where 
it has to improve. I mean, I, I don't think you're going to have just a miracle 1,200-yard, 1,300-yard rusher in this group. But if you can improve late in games, that, that would I, – I, I think they have to be better. I'm with you. I, I think they have to be better this year running the ball, even though the numbers don't look ugly in front of me and in front of all of us. If, they're the, if this is the same output we look at a year from now, they probably it's, – it's not good. They probably didn't, weren't much improved. You know, they probably didn't just improve and, and get better as the year went along uh, and as the season went along if they have the same output. So I think we think they have to get better in the running game. The offensive line they get away with. But let's move on to, I think, what's the most important question and the most important factor in the Giants being better this year than last year, and that is the defense. Can the Giants survive with the defense they have? And uh, I guess it's an open-ended question because it all depends for both of you guys how much you think this defense is better than it was last year. Jordan, we'll start with you. I think it's better. How much better? That's to be determined. I do think they're better. I think they could be an average defense. Uh, they have more pass rush. I like Vernon. JPP should be improved. Uh, Harrison, Hankins, two guys that basically didn't have last year because Hankins got injured. I, I like that. Their linebackers still worry me. That's a concern to me. Their depth in the secondary is definitely a concern to me. I don't think – because, look, injuries are going to happen, right? This is the NFL. I don't think they have the depth to hold up and be uh, a great unit, a top unit at all. So when you're talking about how – you know, can they survive with this unit, I think they can survive if the offense carries them. You know, how much the offense carries them is – the offense needs to carry them. We thought they would do it last year. They didn't really do it. They weren't good enough to carry the team for the most part. There was games where they held up their end of the bargain. But, you know, the Giants' defense, can they survive with it? I'm going to say yes. I, I think they'll be improved. They'll be middle-of-the-road defense. And for them, that's a significant upgrade. And then the offense won't have to be great. It'll just have to be good and help them win games and win, win at the end of games. I think they could do that. Before you go, James, I just want to throw out the numbers. It's kind of a baseline from, from where we're at, from what last season was. They were dead last in the NFL in yards allowed, 6,725, which is just a mind-boggling number. But even if you want to say yards, you know, that doesn't really lose you games. You could, that's a weird number. They were 30th in points allowed per game, which is – yeah, I mean, that, that one matters. Uh, 27.6 points per game allowed. So 30th there, 32nd in yards allowed. Really, I think whatever number we want to use, it wasn't very good last year. Go ahead, James. No, you I mean, can't allow – hold on. You can't allow 420 yards passing. Let's, let's get that. I mean, I'm sorry, 298 yards passing. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah, it's 400, 420 yards total. A lot. I mean, it's a lot of yards, and it's a lot of po- – I mean, you're 27.6 points per game allowed. I mean, that – they're asking the offense to average 28 just to basically be a 500 team if you go by just, you know, points allowed, points scored. That's, that's a lot to ask. Yeah, I was going to say, you read all those numbers. Hey, they were consistent last year. You got to give them that at least. Like 30, 31, 32. Um, I'm still not sold on this defense. Um, yes, they, they've improved the pass rush. I think they're better, but they just, all three levels, they have question marks. And I just, I think they'll be better, but good enough to get where they want to be. I don't know yet. You know, I, I think they've got pass rushing, 
pass rushing depth issues once he gets past the two big guys. Linebackers are a concern. In the secondary, you know, you still have a safety position. You hope that, that you have, you know, a bunch of guys. You hope one of them can fill that spot, but still, that's an improving thing. So I don't know if if they can get to the playoff caliber defense, you know, team that they, that they aim to be. I mean, I think they'll be better, but will they be better enough? You brought up linebackers. That's still my biggest concern is – can they cover tight ends? Can they cover running backs? Can they cover the middle field? That's just where they got absolutely demolished last year. And, you know, are they really that much improved at those positions? Well, who's going to be their middle linebacker? Who's going to be their, you know, is it still Jonathan Casillas as the, as the weak side linebacker? Who's in coverage? And who's the starting free safety? Are they really going to significant, significantly upgrade their ability to cover on the back end. Uh, so, you know, those are still big, big question marks for me. Uh, and I'm not so sure of whether they're going to be able to improve that part enough. Now, the part where I see them greatly improve, they had 23 sacks last year. Two teams had fewer. They should be able to produce more than 23 sacks this year. So, to me, that's probably the most important thing. That's why I think they can survive with this defense. They'll have consistently more pressure. They'll have a consistently better pass rush. And opposing quarterbacks won't be able to sit back there all day and just pick how they want to tear apart the Giants defense. How do you think we measure success early this season when it comes to this Giants defense? I mean, there's a lot of new pieces here. So I just wonder as we think about this and what they have to be, like how long do we give it to come together before you start to say, Maybe they didn't add enough. Maybe it's just not the right mix. Maybe they're not going to improve enough to, to help out the offense. You know, certain units on different teams, like a couple of years ago when Ben McAdoo first came in with the offense, that offense was awful for the first month. We talked about it, you guys, and especially Jordan, you were there covering the team then. You were talking then about how bad it looked in training camp. It took them, you know, all of training camp, the first month of the season. Then it started to come together a little bit. And then last year was really good, I think, uh, for a lot of the season. But how long do you give this defense? It's not a new scheme. Spagnolo is still there, but it's a lot of new pieces within the scheme. Uh, James, how long do you give the defense before you start saying, I'm a little worried to kind of see if they've improved a lot? Um, I, I guess if they're four games in and they basically look like they did last year, that would be the time to panic. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's tough for me with with defense as a unit or the, the the guys they sign to to put hard numbers out and say if they don't hit these plateaus then it's not a success I, I think it's more of a thing where you just you kind of get you know a quarter of the way through the season and you kind of see where they stand and you just you just kind of know if this is working or not based on what the results have been I, I think it's hard to put off it's hard to say oh well they have to be ranked in the top half of the league and they have to only be giving up 330 yards a game to be a success or something, you know, just some number you pick out of the sky. So I think eyes are going to tell you, if you could see them getting after the quarterback, I think that'll, I mean, eventually that'll help you be a better defense. I think it's really that simple. Yeah, I think that's fair. You could kind of see if there's, um, there's those aspects of a good defense there and if they'll have enough. And I, I agree with what you said, Jordan. The pass rush it has to be better this year. And if it is, that, that probably is the biggest 
indicator of if they could be a better defense. If they get after the quarterback, that you know, that fixes a lot of other things that might be wrong with the defense. Last year, they just couldn't get to the quarterback at all. If you get to, if you get to the quarterback, it makes everyone else better. And the Giants never had great cornerback, cornerbacks when they, you know, when they were winning Super Bowls. But they were getting after the quarterback, and when you get after the quarterback, it makes your cornerbacks better. I mean, it's I mean, really that simple. Think about the guys that were back there when they won. I mean, they had Aaron Ross back there that first time. R.W. Corey Webster. Right, R.W. McCourt. Who was a decent player at times, so Corey Webster. But look, not, there's no Pro Bowl All-Pro players. No, none. No one that you could even – I mean, Webster, right, he was the closest thing to that, but he wasn't that. I mean, they – No, definitely not. Right, so they won uh, despite that. So the pass rush – will be a big part of it. All right, so those are the three probably the biggest units that we have to keep an eye on as the summer goes along and if they could survive with the offensive line, the running game, and, of course, the defense. Now let's, let's move into OTAs and what you guys saw uh, when you were there uh, this week. We're doing this podcast on a Wednesday afternoon. One day. One day. Yeah, one, day. One, one day. And I guess before Hour and you, a half. It's hard to make sweeping uh, assessments on one day. But. Right. But, you know, this, you know, you guys did, and you were about it, what you saw before right, we get why to- I like to Joe just real quick. This is why I like to concentrate on the depth chart because that's something you could see, you could make judgments, and you're making judgments of what okay, here's what the coaches and the Giants think, here's where here's how they have everything situated at this point. There's a, there's a distinct order. Here's the guys that are working with the first team. It's not an accident that the guys that are working with the first team are working with the first team, the guys that are working with the second team are working with the second team, and so on and so forth. Right, absolutely, and I guess that leads us into the one guy that wasn't working with the first team or the second team, wasn't doing much at all. It is only OTAs, but it's a story because it's been a story for years now, and that's Victor Cruz. Last week, Jordan, you said you know, one of the things you were looking forward to was seeing Victor Cruz possibly back out there and what he'd be doing, uh, and now the answer is not much. So thoughts on Victor Cruz, and, and I guess – what is the new normal? Because we can't. It's never going to go back to the way it was. And I just, I think every time we have one of these conversations, you just wonder more and more what the Giants can still get out of Victor Cruz. Yeah, the reason I said I, w- I was curious to see what he could do is because when you talk to Victor Cruz, he said he was doing everything in practice. He was just sort of on a pitch count, so he was like, he was free to do everything. He was running routes, catching passes, uh, doing all those things. The Giants made the decision that they're not going to put him out there for OTAs or minicamp, or that's what it seems. They made it seem like that. McAdoo said, hey, they're looking towards training camp, just putting him out there. Which, look, I understand, and I'm not going to say it's a negative for Victor Cruz that he wasn't out there. I don't think it's a bad idea. You want to limit how much this guy does because you're trying to get him through a 16-game season. You really don't need him out there running against defensive players in May. Uh, now, granted, you need him out there running against to see what he could do this summer, to at least to see where he's at. So I'm all, I'm all right with that being the plan for the Giants. But, you know, Cruz kind of was hoping, I think, but to get out there. But, you know, I, I don't think this is a bad idea to have. Okay, let, let's say, all right, let's just have him get out there in the summer. He'll do, you know... Some stuff now on the side when we're talking about 11-on-11 and team drills. You just don't need him going up against defensive players at this point. So I'm good with that. James, you good with that at this point? Or would you rather him be out there? I don't have any problem with it at all. I mean, if you think about it, last year in training camp, he was going to 
basically like an hour and a half after he declared that he was going to try to play against the Jaguars in that second preseason game, the whole thing was gone. You know, he he got the calf injury. You know, I think they have every out right of nowhere to be, too. Out of nowhere, calf injury. No one knew about this calf problem. Boom! This happened, and like little do we know then that like the whole thing was just torpedoed that day, and everything was going fine. Ninety minutes earlier, I think he was on with Mike Francesa on the fan. We said, "I'm going to play." So, I I don't have a problem with them taking it slowly and being cautious. I mean, it, as McAdoo said, they're just running around in their underwear right now. There's nothing major going on, but. If we get to the first day of training camp and Victor is not out there running around or participating in team drills and oh, yeah, that's they start fun. saying, like, oh, yeah, next week, I mean, then it's just going to be, all right, this is, we're doing this all over again, and, you know, this long slog. I mean, so for now, I think it's fine as long as come July 28th, he's doing everything. I think the Giants are fine. But if they get to training camp and they're still holding back, then I think the major red flags have to go up. Of course they do, because at that point you're starting to get ready for the season, uh, and he won't be a big part of it, so, or he won't be part of it at least then. And that would be, it'd be clearly worrisome. So the cruise stuff kind of lingers here. And uh, now from each of you, give me an, a thought or an observation, or you know, it could be something from the depth chart, like you said, Jordan, from the hour and a half and, and the time you got to spend there, uh, at OTAs. Jordan, what, what stood out to you from, from what you saw? I, I, Eli Apple working with the first team, you know, getting opportunities against Beckham and Jeremy Davis. Now, Odell Beckham ran by him a couple times, didn't get the ball, but he held his own against Jeremy Davis, which I, I look, Jeremy Davis is a sixth round pick from the year before, but this is a guy who was running with the Giants first team offense and uh, he, he was sticking right with him. So, at least showed me that, okay, Eli Apple is, sometimes guys come in and he could be the best player in the world, but they're trying to learn the system, they're trying to learn what's going on. They could be overwhelmed by stuff, all the stuff that's going on around them, that they're just a total disaster and a mess at first, especially at that position. It's a very dangerous position. You could have a guy look just completely lost. But uh, he he looked like he... uh, you know, he wasn't completely overmatched. He looked like he, he, could, he could hang with guys. And for me, that, that was a, that's a positive sign because uh, they're going to need something from Eli Apple this year, whether it's out of the slot, whether it's on the outside, whether it's as a third, third cornerback on, uh, you know, behind Janoris Jenkins and Dominique rogers uh, you know, You're going you're gonna to play in the NFL these days. It's, it, the chances that both those cornerbacks play 16 games alone is probably slim, so... Even though they're both been relatively healthy, although DRC's been in and out of games, we know, for the last two years. But still, Eli Apple, I liked what I saw. James, how about you? At this your, point, at least. At this point. It's early. James, your observation from uh, your hour and a half at uh, OTAs? No. I'll preface it by saying it's just shorts. It's just T-shirts. It's still May. Um, you know. I, if Andre Williams talked about how he, you know, he he's lost weight this offseason and he wants to, he feels he's more explosive, more quick than he has been in the past. I saw a play. It was a far field. I, I believe it was the second team. I think NASA threw the pass. Andre Williams fluidly caught a short pass in the backfield. He cut up field. He you know made a guy miss you know with quotation marks because it's not full contact. He hit the corner pretty fast. So. For a guy who has struggled with explosion, 
and has struggled catching the ball, I thought that was a positive sign for the Giants that maybe this third year for Andre Williams, he can sort of bounce back from last year's disappointment and maybe start to become the player they hope he can be. But it's early. See, that was one thing that caught my eye. I don't look at it as Andre Williams lacked explosion. See, when I hear that, okay, he lost weight, he's faster, I never looked at that as that being his problem. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, his problem has been his his vision and ability to hit holes more than anything. So the catching part, yeah, I mean, I... That's that's good and that's good and all good and well. He's still not going to be used as a, a as a pass catcher very often. So to me, that doesn't. I don't even care that much about that when you're talking about him. He's never going to be that third down back, especially when you have Vereen and Perkins, who are now yeah. two guys that are exponentially better pass catchers. Rashad Jennings is still a better pass catcher than than Andre Williams. So to me, you know, I hear that. Look, I, I'm I'm at a wait and see point with him. I got to see him on the field in action, in games, being able to hit the hole and find the right spot and get through the hole, that to me is just my biggest concern with him. No, I agree with all that. I just thought that one moment, maybe a little bit of hope and promise and potential they can look into it. But as you guys said, it's, it's way early. It's May. Um, Jordan's right. He's probably never going to be the first, second, third, or fourth pass-catching option out of the backfield for the Giants. But – it was something that caught them my eye. Right, and it's a time of year where, you know, you see things, maybe you didn't see them last year, and you kind of file them away and say, hey, we'll, we'll see if that comes back during training camp. So um, we looked at the Giants' weaknesses. Can they improve them? OTAs in the books. And now we'll look forward here as the summer uh, is about to hit us. Guys, as always, I appreciate you doing this. Jordan, thanks, man. Anytime, Joe. You got it, man. And thank you, James. Thank you, Joe. Thanks to all of you, of course, for listening to episode 54 to Talk is Cheap. Our podcast continues to grow, and uh, you listeners and everyone out there is a big part of it. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Any way you want to listen, you can listen. Leave us a rating on iTunes. It helps the show grow. We'll be back soon with episode 55. Thanks for listening.